Pretty Mental is about accepting our full selves and inspiring others to do the same by being daringly unfiltered. This means completely normalizing all things mental health and the wild journey that has brought us here. We are challenging the stigmatization of normal human suffering, and we are done pretending and subscribing to the notion that it is taboo to have challenging mental health experiences. Welcome to the Pretty Mental Health Club, and enjoy the show. Hey, Valentina. Hey, Paula. And hello, everybody. And welcome to another episode of Pretty Mental. Today, we spoke to Casey Polite. Casey is someone that we actually found on Instagram who is amazing. And she is here to empower all vulva owners to embrace and embody their sexuality and really receive all of the pleasure that we we came here for and all of the pleasure that is here for us on this earth. So yes, this conversation is all about sex, sexuality, <laughs> intimacy, sensuality, all of it. Yeah, this was such an awesome conversation and one that we have been meaning to have for the longest time because, you know, it's so long overdue for us to incorporate sexuality and having a healthy relationship to our sexuality into the whole wellness circle. I think that if we want to talk about mental health and leave out the conversation on sexuality, that would be a huge glaring blind spot. So here we go. This conversation is so important. So listen to the messages, really, really listen to them. Listen to it one time, two times, three times over again. And let us know what you guys think about it. We're super excited to share. And with that pretty mental family, take in a deep breath with us. and tune in. Okay, so again, lighting a little bit of Palo Santo, just setting the energy correct, aligning all the energies as we step into this conversation. It is 3.23 p.m. Eastern time, and we are opening up a portal, opening up ourselves to call in the highest messages for the highest good of all of our listeners, of all of the community, calling upon our ancestors and our guides, of all of us gathered here to guide this conversation, to keep us open, to bring forth the messages that are in the highest vibration. We are open vessels for love, to bring healing and good energy vibes to this community. Okay. So the portal is open. Here we go. Casey, polite. Welcome to Pretty Mental. <laughs> I'm so excited to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I have been looking forward to this podcast since I reached out to you, I feel like over a month ago, because I want to talk about sex for real, for real. I feel like there is so much shame around the topic, at least how we have experienced it in our lives and how so we're colombian we grew up with catholicism really infiltrating how we moved and there is a lot of shame when it comes to owning your sexuality so 
we've been on our own journey with it. And I know a lot of people are on their own journey with it because it's not like the society promotes being fully embodied inside of your yourself and really stepping into your own, your own sexuality. So we're so excited to have you on. Thank you. So I have to ask, did you go to a Catholic school as well? No. Oh my God. I would have gone crazy. <laughs> we did. Um, yeah, we, I went all the way up to my first communion and so we went to Catholic church, so not school, but like Sunday yeah. school. Um, yes. Okay. So I actually went to Catholic school though. I was not raised in a Catholic household, but I wore my uniform and went to Catholic school first through eighth grade. So, um, I know a little bit about your experience and the perception of sex and pleasure. Cause I went to school with it. Oh, yeah. wow. Do you mind starting out with letting us know, just telling our listeners a bit about yourself and mm -hmm. a bit about what got you into being a sex therapist? Absolutely. So again, my name is Casey Polite and I'm a clinical social worker by license. Um, I've been in this work for the past 18 years. So I've had the pleasure of serving in county jails and outpatient mental health facilities, schools, um, nursing homes. I have worked in a lot of different settings, um, government agencies as well. And my desire to become a sex therapist honestly started with my own journey. Understanding that I had a lot of question marks around who I was sensually and sexually, recognizing that those were two different things and they overlapped. So throughout my relationship journey, I stumbled quite a bit. And through my discovery, once I learned that pleasure was absolutely unlimited, I was like, everybody, everybody needs to know this. Everybody needs to experience their own journey. And I would love to be a part of it. So I went after I was, and this is literally probably three years ago. So I was already in my field for 15 years before I pivoted to say, I wanna, I'm gonna start a private practice. I'm just gonna do it on the side. I'm gonna continue to work full time. I'm gonna go back to school and get some postgraduate studies specific about sex and pleasure. And I'm just gonna see what happens. And so my part-time private practice has now turned into a full-time uh, private practice. And my goal is to help people own their pleasure, particularly vulva owners, and helping those who have a penis understand how to centralize pleasure for their lover, regardless who they choose to love or how many people they choose to love on. Um, so I service everyone. So that's a, the short of the long. You said something that I feel so aligned with, which is when you discovered your own sexual pleasure and when you really stepped into it, you realize like, holy shit, what have I been missing out on? The world needs to know. The way that I really perceived sex growing up was that the pleasure was for the man and that I was here to perform, to please. I didn't believe that I had the right to my own pleasure. 
And it really wasn't until pretty recently that I stepped fully into my own sexuality when it came from self-pleasure. And when I stepped into it, I realized that it's not just about sex. It's about true power that actually when that sexual part is healed, I feel more powerful in other aspects of my life. I feel more open. I feel like I'm calling in total abundance in terms of everything. So it's not just about sex. Yes. I'm so glad you said that because it transcends our understanding of just a sexual relationship that often involves or has been limited to this idea of penetration, right? So the fact that you said it started for you with self-pleasure, the same happened for me. It really was in that space of self-pleasure and exploring my own body that I was able to let go of shame. Yeah. And so that's super powerful from a mental health perspective. And, And because I'm sure you know, obviously, you've been in this field even longer than I have the role that shame actually plays. Like it's all, it's not just all diagnosis that you can point to in a big book, you know, it's shame actually plays a huge role in emotional distress and sexuality is not something that's often talked about in that arena. And yet it's a huge aspect of being human. We are one of the most sexual species on the entire planet. So true. And so when you go to the doctor's office or you talk to a pharmacist or any of these other multidisciplinary team members about your health, think about it. How often has anyone said, how does this impact your sex life or your desire or your drive? Or are you sexually active outside of testing for STIs or during your annual women's wellness visit, right? When does someone engage you in a conversation about your sexuality and their specialty? Because it all relates, just like you said, but a lot of people aren't comfortable talking about it or or even understanding how to integrate it into their area of expertise. It's just such a taboo subject. I mean, the only, I didn't think how I thought by accident. I heard messages my entire life from women left and right inside and outside of my family that it was all for the man. It was all for the man. And I never heard messages about just completely embodying yourself and putting you on top of the world with your own sexuality. And, you know, it's crazy because I honestly felt that when a man had an orgasm, all activity stopped. Like we were done like that. It's over. And so this idea it's, I mean, just blows my mind when I think about it, but their pleasure dictates the end of this activity. Think about how we internalize that as women in other areas of the relationship. It has a huge impact. So women aren't comfortable to say, wait a minute, I'm I'm not done yet. I, I still want to engage in some type of sexual pleasure or bonding or intimacy just because you're done and now you want to roll over doesn't mean I'm ready to be done. But when did we learn how to advocate for ourselves to say anything? I sure didn't. I was like, well, I guess 
I guess we're all finished, right? I guess, you know, we're done. Or I, I guess I better hurry up and try to get as much pleasure as I can out of this because when he busts, he busts and we're, we're good here. And it is not designed for that. I feel like the majority of women can identify with what you just described. Like most of us, if not all of us, maybe have been there. And it's so true. You know, that feeling of like, oh, I better cram like as much pleasure as I can into this moment. And yeah, I mean, nobody ever really, we never received that message. Like that would be so interesting to have heard that as a young woman that like, hey, when you're engaging in the sexual act, you're also allowed to like, it doesn't end when the man's pleasure ends. There's so much association between orgasm being kind of like the ultimate goal of sex. And because I, 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 I mean, you can probably, you can speak to this better than I can, but I imagine because, uh, well, not only like the social structures around the power dynamics between men and women, but also the male orgasm, it's is much more evident and prominent. So it just, it's, it's a very obvious thing, right? Versus yes. the female isn't as much often. I mean, you, you tell me. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So they have this very, dramatic, we'll say, um, display of orgasm that they have been taught how to nurture that, right? Like how to experience it, what it feels like, what it looks like. They've been taught that. And as women understanding our pleasure and our orgasm because of lack of education, we assumed that ours should look like theirs. And then when it didn't, it was like, well, is something wrong with me? Am I not having an orgasm? I'm not having this explosive experience that I see my partner having. And because of that, now I don't even really know what's happening in my body. That's very problematic because a lot of women are, are in a position to experience pleasure, but because it doesn't look how they think it should look, they don't really know what's happening. So how can women start advocating for themselves and reframe their mind from thinking, oh, once he has his orgasm, it's all done? How can they really realize, no, there's actually more and there's more pleasure that can be had? What do you, what do you tell your clients? So I love food analogies. So I have to use this as an example. Imagine if you and your partner are eating dinner together. Both of your plates are full. But when he finishes his meal you're not allowed to eat anymore. What? Hell no. Right, I still have food on my plate. What do you mean? So because you're finished eating, I can't enjoy any more of this pleasurable bounty in front of me because you're done. So what I tell clients is it's the same with sex and pleasure. The same way you would not allow someone to take your plate away just because they're finished is the same way you communicate to your partner just because you have reached climax doesn't mean we are done experiencing each other. You know what? It, you have to be in a relationship where you feel so safe and like the other person is willing to be patient with you in order to explore your body in a way that you'll be able to reach your own climax. Agreed. Absolutely. How do women start feeling safer in in their bodies with their partner 
So that's actually two different things. So feeling safe in their body is independent of their relationship with their partner. And then curating a safe relationship with their partner is a different process. So a lot of this work has to be done on an individual level first. Being comfortable naked, step one, right? Like basics where a lot of women are like, no, I need to keep this shirt on or I get out of the shower and I just kind of towel up, but they don't look at their own image. So it's full body acceptance that has to happen first and identifying the negative self-talk that you give to those areas of your body you don't like, changing that conversation. Once a woman is safe with their body, now they're in a position to be safe with someone who deserves to have it. Mm, to fully experience pleasure. Eventuality. Because I guess otherwise it's just, because I mean, people have sex all the time without doing the work of healing their relationship with their body first. But when we approach it from that level, then we can't really experience true intimacy. And I think it just reminds me of a quote that I read that unless like those parts are in place, it just becomes like a mutual masturbation situation where both people are using each other's bodies for pleasure, but no one is really connecting at a soul deep emotional level, allowing it to be a fully sacred experience essentially. So true. So it's like the other person is just a tool for you to physically experience something, but it doesn't go beyond the physical. So it's important when we look at the energy that's exchanged during sex and the power that that energy has to penetrate your soul if you're in that space to experience it with that person. If not, people shut it off. Casual sex, for a lot of people, not all, casual sex can be very surface level connection. It can also be for some the most pleasurable sex they have experienced because some people are more vulnerable with someone they don't know as well. A one night stand, casual sex where they don't have to invest emotionally into a relationship can be comfortable for some. Is it always healthy? Yes and no, right? It depends on the individual and the and the circumstance. But that sacred sex, that level of sex where you can experience pleasure without touching each other, that's another level of intimacy. Can you talk about that? Which part? <laughs> <laughs> There's so much there. Um, that experiencing pleasure without touching each other. Yes. So I think on an individual level, it is very important to explore a non-touch orgasm where you completely use your imagination and your breathing. The first time I experienced it, I almost lost my mind because I realized the power of my thoughts. Without physically touching myself, I imagined on such a deep level what I was experiencing physically, but I wasn't really experiencing it physically. And I was able to have that heightened sensation of pleasure just from how I was thinking about my body in an experience, fantasizing. So if you can do that for yourself, similar to self-pleasure, when you're with your partner, you can do the same thing. And when you sync your breathing up with them, mm-hmm. so it's like one breath in and out, oh, 
it is just listen. that's like karma is that karma sutra is that what that is or tantric tantric tantra yes they're very big on the breath so i'm definitely not there's some amazing tantric specialists out there i do not claim to be one but i tell you what the minute i learned the power of how i could use my breath to enhance my pleasure it took it to another level yeah hands-free hands-free that's so amazing because so valentina is a breathwork facilitator now and she's in a few breathwork sessions for me and i mean breathwork is just kind of really coming in right now because people are realizing that maybe this is your time to take over (laughs) but that's just like what you know that's what i'm thinking about people are realizing that i mean we hold so tightly we hold so tightly to our ourselves right like even like the body posture of like hunching over or holding tight with when anxiety or fear or anything like that is present, the first thing to go in that survival response is our breath. And being in a, in a situation of threat, which actually like a lot of people in our society walk around in that mental state of threat. That's why there's a mental health crisis, right? You can't really experience pleasure and fear at the same time. Maybe you can use pleasure to escape the fear or to numb the fear. But you can't really, you know, so then in that case, tapping into the pleasure and tapping into the breath and allowing the breath to flow freely, it becomes a form of medicine where you're no longer trying to override the fear, think the fear away or do something with it. You're just bringing in a totally different element and allowing your body to experience what it's like to let go and to receive and to Mm -hmm. fully receive with those deep, deep, conscious, intentional breaths. Because oftentimes I have found in my own experience, because I very much do use my breath when I'm by myself. And I notice when I start breathing just quicker, quicker, more almost like aggressive breaths. And I catch myself and I start like slowly breathing in a way that's almost like a receiving breath and a breath that just allows everything to rush in for the pleasure to rush in in a very patient open feminine way and as you do that your body gets to relax Mm -hmm. and that's where it's like laying on top of a wave where you're just suspended in the space of allowing pleasure in without any resistance that's the beauty of of being completely relaxed when you do that. And the breath can, can do that instantly, just like it can, you know, raise our heart rate just with our breath, how it impacts our muscles. And I love how you said that we're so, we can be so bound up and tight. There's no space for pleasure to flow when we're like that. 100%. And Earlier when we were talking about how healing your sexuality can really have an impact on the rest of your life, the Mm -hmm. other compartments of your life, have you noticed that with your own clients or with yourself? And if so, can you speak a little bit about it? Yes, absolutely. So I can think of a couple of clients who um, were not confident in pursuing pleasure, similar to what we talked about before, advocating, speaking up. So I'm going to call that pursuing pleasure. Once they found their voice, they noticed at work, they were then suddenly to them kind of advocating for themselves with their supervisor. So there were these unrealistic demands that were being put on them where they normally would have just said yes. 
and made it work, they weren't doing that anymore. They were having good conversation about how this was going to impact them, what it meant for their workload. And then coming to me in session and saying, it was so weird. I've never said anything like that before, but I feel more confident in who I am, period, just as an individual. And so speaking up and advocating is becoming easier now because in that one area that's so difficult, that's taboo, when you can tackle it there, everything else seems easy, right? Because everything else is a little more acceptable, like your vocation, you know, your intellect, you know, parenting, all these other things are more widely discussed openly about managing problems in those areas, but not sexually. So when you can have growth there, it's just, it just spills, like literally it just spills over into the rest of your life. Finances, like how you manage your money can be directly impacted by one, the amount of pleasure you're experiencing, how you're experiencing it. It's, it's unreal. It's unreal. I swear to God, I'm, I'm not like I'm, I feel like I'm living proof of this because this is something that I've been experiencing personally. And for some people, it might sound woo woo, but it's just, it's for real. When I started really stepping into my own sexual power and really believing that I deserved all of the pleasure that I wanted and feeling no shame around it, I felt like my finances opened. I felt like my, okay, this is going to sound wild, but like little miracles started happening. And it was because I just felt so open to the universe. And that's when I realized like, holy shit, they say, I don't know the chakra system too well, but I know that they say the, wherever your reproductive organs are, whatever holds, whatever chakra holds your sexual energy, that's also tied to how much abundance you can bring in. And you probably know more about that than, than I do, but I, I believe it. I mean, it's, it's real. Absolutely. Yes. So your sacral chakra which is the orange is associated with that area. It's so funny out of all the chakras, of course, that's the one that I really know about. <laughs> I should probably know about the others. Um, but when you're able to have no resistance to pleasure, the floodgates open in other areas of your life, your creativity. I've seen artists feel more creative in their process once they opened up that area of their life. What is your what is your take on hypersexuality? And do you even believe that like that's a thing? I don't. I don't believe it's a thing in the context in which we hear it. I do believe that there are people who are highly sexually minded, right? So they think about it a lot they can hear something and, and relate it automatically to something sexual. What I'm against is that it's a problem. I guess that's the best way for me to explain it. It's not a problem until we make it a problem, right, for that individual. As soon as you start neglecting the other responsibilities that you have in your life, then things are a problem. But that's related to anything, food, money, anything. Sex is no different than that. Yeah, that's interesting because traditionally males being highly sexual has been kind of celebrated and women, when women are very sexual, is seen taboo. Oh, it's a problem. And that's because sex centers around them. So they don't have the negative connotation of having too many partners 
or being, you know, tainted now because they had sex with 20 people in the last year. Where if a woman were to say, oh, I had the most unbelievable sex and I had 20 partners, automatically there would be ho, slut, right? Like very easily. I mean, people, it wouldn't even be a question of what that must mean for that woman. And again, that's just the social construct, unfortunately, that we are the receivers of the sex and pleasure. We were not... We don't have authority in that area. And they're so wrong because we wouldn't have a clitoris if that were the case. That's my theory. Oh, yeah. Okay, let's talk about that. (laughs) (laughs) Because I heard you on a different podcast say that... Okay, how do you, first of all, you say clitoris, I say clitoris. How, is there, is that like a tomato, tomato? I think tomato it's tomato, thing? tomato, yeah. Okay, so I've heard you say that three-fourths of your clitoris is internal. Yes. Can you talk about that? I did yes. not know that. Can I show you? Yeah. Yeah. See, this is when we wish that we were video, but. So, this is, okay, so this is the clitoris, right? So, this is the part that we see. Uh huh. This is what's inside of your body. So for the listeners, it's basically kind of like looking at the tip of an iceberg, <laughs> and most of it is actually underwater or internal. Yes, yes. So there are what they're called legs. It's oh, the easiest way to say it, but the legs of the clitoris go on either side of your vaginal canal on the inside. So when you experience any type of penetration from a penis, a toy, a finger, a tongue, when it goes inside of your vaginal canal, it is also stimulating the legs of your clitoris. Because when you are aroused, the legs of the clitoris, just like a penis, will get erect and blood will rush there and all these wonderful feelings will happen um, through penetration. So a lot of the pleasure we experience in in penetration is not directly from nerves in the vaginal canal it's from the internal aspect of the clitoris it's wonderful i can't remember where i saw this it was uh, i think on one of the explained series on netflix but they were talking about how some crazy percentage of women have never had an orgasm before and or how they can only get them externally Yeah, it's like 76%. 76% is probably the most common um, stat that I've heard for women who experience orgasm from clitoral stimulation. Okay, wait. So on external, they experience an orgasm externally. Is that because they have not explored their own bodies and they know how to move in a way where they're going to get an end? An, inter- or pen- um, an orgasm from penetration? Or is that because just how women's bodies are made up, you're just not going to feel, you're not going to get an orgasm from it? So that's a great question. It's actually a little bit of both. So because the external clitoris has the highest concentration of nerve endings to provide pleasure, naturally pleasure is going to come for most women from stimulation of their external clitoris. 8,000 nerve endings, clearly there's no difficulty when stimulated for your body to experience pleasure. From penetration, there aren't a lot of nerve endings in your vagina. So unless the clitoris is also being stimulated during penetration, 
a lot of women don't experience an orgasm just from penetration alone, unless the mysterious controversial G-spot area, which is really just the cluster of nerves from the clitoris on the inside, gets stimulated from penetration, a woman can have an orgasm that way. Or they can have an orgasm from stimulation of their cervix, from deep penetration, that also can create an orgasm. But the clitoris really demands to be involved. She's like, I gotta be in this in order for you to experience some pleasure, some type of way. Externally, you're saying? Externally, mm-hmm. yes, externally. Mm-hmm. When clients come to see you, actually, yeah, I mean, in relation, first of all, okay, relationships are so central to our mental health. Romantic relationships, definitely central to our mental health. Because if that container doesn't feel safe, that's going to trickle out into the rest of our lives. Just like feeling empowered in our sexuality trickles out into the rest of our life. And a huge aspect of sex, of um, relationship satisfaction is related to that sexual intimacy that takes place, right? Like I've worked with clients that are good friends with can be good friends with their partner. And yet, because they don't have that sexual part, there can be a deep sense of shame imbued into the relationship and that starts to taint it. And yet it's also terrifying to begin the process of addressing that. How do you kind of begin to open those doors for people? It's layered. I think that's my first thought is it's layered and When clients are willing to have an honest look at all of the places that have impacted their understanding of sexuality and relationship dynamics. So looking at where they were raised, how they were raised, their peers, society, like understanding and being open to accepting the messages that have already been imprinted. If they're okay with that, then they're in a space to redefine it. The roadblock is sometimes it's hard to face that. It's hard to accept that, particularly from a faith-based place, that what I learned in church or from my grandma who said, this is what it said in the Bible, the Quran, whatever, doesn't matter. I'm going against that. That is where there can be a huge challenge. And that's also where a lot of shame sits. Where I see that coming up a lot is not only in, fema- in, in women embracing their sexuality and not having shame around it, but definitely in sexual orientation. Huge. Where I've had clients that, you know, even if they have support from people in their lives, that messaging is so deep that there's still a core of shame and self-loathing mm-hmm. that can come from that. So, yeah, I mean, the sexual orientation conversation, I'd, I'd love to bring that in to this discussion because I think that's so relevant, especially nowadays that a lot of people are kind of allowing themselves to question the binary norms that have been so aggressively imbued into our culture. Absolutely. As humans, we want to be accepted. So taking on this torch of challenging what you have been taught to be true or what's right is not comfortable, rightfully so. And how does one blossom into who they are as a sexual being 
if they have been put into a box since birth. It's very hard to break out of that space. And you're managing self-acceptance and then acceptance by people who you care about and trust. And then you also have the world. Yeah, it'd be nice if they accepted, but the people close to you, if you don't even get acceptance there, it's very hard to fully live authentically in who you are and who you choose to love. Because that really, at the end of the day, that's what it comes down to. I understand that, you know, there are terms of sexual preference and how you identify, but the, at the end of the day, you should have the right to choose who you love or who you fuck, period. Yeah, without having to feel bad about it. It takes a lot of consciousness. I think I love, I love the way that uh, you were describing it just a little bit ago when you said that it requires being able to see very clearly the messages, to go through a process of personal introspection, to first identify the messages in the conditioning that took place before you can even try to flip it. Exactly. Because if you can't do that, you can't make any change. You have to change your understanding and belief about it before you're going to see change. Yeah, we have so many limiting beliefs that we hold. So many. I'm just I'm thinking about that. I'm like, man, this journey of being human is so wild. Like, where did all of these ideas come from? It's, it can be heavy. It's a lot. It's, it's a lot to manage. It honestly, like to, to embark on this journey, it's requires of, of healing essentially. And to, to tap into pleasure and to tap into like high vibrations in our life, it requires a constant releasing of ideology. It's like, it's a daily work, daily work. And the ideas will pop back in and we notice them again and we release them again. Each time they pop in a little bit differently, but especially with the collective momentum that we have around a lot of these narratives, I mean, I, it's a constant dancing. Well said. Yeah, it is a dance and it does get exhausting. But the great thing is you do get to a place with certain beliefs and because of where you are in your thought process and your growth, it can no longer survive. There's certain things that I, I never would have thought that I wouldn't believe them anymore. I can't believe them. Like it's impossible now, right? And then there's still other things that I'm working through. And I can look forward to one day being in that same space with those thoughts. But at least I know the ones over here, we're good. It all just sums back to being really able to fully accept yourself first. Because once you do that, and you just feel really, really good about who you are, you can have a level of fuck it. Let them let people give me narratives and shame that they want to give me. I don't give a fuck. I want my pleasure and I'm going to claim it. And I want my success and I want my everything that I want and I'm going to claim it. Because you start realizing that everyone is swimming in the same shame. So who's going to swim out first? Yes, absolutely. And everyone deserves to experience pleasure in all areas of their life. It, it's, again, as we talked about earlier, it spills over into other aspects of who we are. And it's as important as the intellectual self that we have grown to have our parents talk about education or what's important and are you reading this number of books in the summer or in high school, right? Like all of these things, yes, they are very important. And so is our sexuality. 
Can we talk about intimacy versus sex? Yes. So defining sex first is important. Sex is not penetration. If we limit the definition to that, we are excluding a lot of people's experiences and we're limiting the amazing possibilities of sexual activity. So sex is any physical activity that ignites pleasure, arousal, and fun excitement, right? Because we have to keep it broad so that everyone can experience it for themselves. How you have sex and how I have sex, they don't have to be the same. The outcome should be the same. We should both be enjoying it with no limits, period. Now, intimacy can look like sex. Sex can be a way to be intimate, but intimacy essentially is anything that you get to experience with someone and you feel closeness. So that's sitting and watching a Netflix show can be intimate, just like having my toes sucked could be intimate. And it can also be a sexual act because I can have an orgasm from that stimulation. So there's a lot of overlap, but it's, it's understanding the outcome. So intimacy almost sounds like what lays the groundwork to create a safe environment where people feel comfortable enough to explore each other. It absolutely can. And people have sex without being intentional about creating intimacy. Sexual attraction, connection sexually, where they may not have created intimate moments that were shared prior to sex. However, the sexual act can then turn into the intimacy. You know what? As we all know, in the dating culture, it's kind of standard status quo to get a drink together. It's the norm. And to kind of to get uh, uninhibited with the alcohol so that then that can facilitate people having sex with each other. What? I mean, there's a lot of sexual acts that would not take place if alcohol was not involved. What do you think about that? So I think the challenge with that is if you were to put a group of, you know, cisgender men and women in a room and talk about this, we would probably hear that the alcohol is more for the woman, not for the guy. Letting go of inhibitions can be, depending on the man's upbringing and understanding of himself sexually, may not be a challenge. Where again, for women to feel comfortable in their body may require not fully thinking straight. I mean, is that horrible when you think about it? Like, That's crazy, but it makes sense with the society that we live in that women are, they want women to be disempowered. And when a woman steps into her sexuality, she is on full power mode. Yeah, she is. And she doesn't need alcohol in order to know who she is and what she wants to do and to be free in her body. Alcohol to me is literally just icing on a cake. Like it's something you can enjoy. It can be very social. Red wine, I love. It tastes amazing if you get a good one, right? So nothing against people who utilize alcohol in a social way. But again, it's all about the intention. 
what is the intention of this date and you asking me out for drinks? What is your intention? Some people talk more freely, not just sex, but their conversation is very different. They may not hide as much information about themselves if they've had a few drinks. So, I mean, I think it, it would be interesting to think about the dating scene if alcohol was not allowed. And what would two people know what to talk about? Would they be comfortable in who they were, who they are, with another person to present who they are without having to become someone different? Because that happens a lot. I see that with a lot of my clients that are dating, this idea of, I need to show up as the person that I think this other person needs or wants right now at this moment in their life. For me to not be rejected, I need to be someone different or I need to figure out what they need because either I'm in love with the idea of love and maybe not necessarily that person or I don't know if who I really am will be accepted and I don't know if I'm ready to accept that. And I guess the root of that is not accepting ourselves because that's the only reason that someone else's rejection would ever be terrifying is because it's mirroring back what we secretly believe and hope that nobody ever finds out. Exactly. Yeah. When someone else's opinion about you means more to you than your own opinion, that's when you have a recipe for a dysfunctional relationship. Well, and you know, I was listening to uh, one of your videos and I, I, you might've said this in a few of them, but you were, you talk a lot about integrating after the sexual act. So reflecting. Yes, absolutely. If you think about it, there's nothing else that we hold as important in our life that we don't talk about after it's happened, right? So if you're in a relationship and you make some poor decisions financially, typically there's a conversation like, oh shit, we shouldn't have spent that. What did we do? Or how did we allocate? Or next time we need to do this differently? Or what do you think about this? Right? Everything. You know, if you work for someone, every year there's a performance evaluation, or there should be, or at least the quarterly one that's done. Let's look at how you're performing. What do you need to work on? All these other areas of our life, forget everywhere you go, there can be a survey. You can call on a number. If you hold on, we're going to ask you five quick questions to let us know how we did on that five-minute customer service call. But when it comes to sex, Nobody wants to talk about it afterwards. No one wants to say, did you enjoy that? Is there anything that I did that you didn't particularly like? Is there anything you want me to do differently? How do we get better in that area if we're not talking about it? We don't. I mean, it's, it's good customer service. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, if you want five stars. So I heard you talk about in one of your videos how sex is not a place uh, sex is a place where we go. It's not just something we do. And to me, that really brought in the importance of foreplay because foreplay is how I see it. You're creating the foundation. You're creating the world that you guys are about to play in. And while it's not always necessary, it's something that can be really beautiful and really fun. And sometimes I think that there's shame around foreplay because what we see in the in porn and what we hear of is all right you're just ready to go and you know one two three little like bunny rabbit sex you're good 
Can we talk about foreplay? Yes. What insights do you have on that? So foreplay was an area that I personally struggled with because when I was in the mindset that sex was something that I did with my partner, yes, to communicate love and to connect, but it was still for him. And so foreplay was also for him because it was preparing my body to receive him. So it was more about, I need to get aroused during foreplay and get wet enough for him. That's just all wrong. (laughs) Yet again, it's all wrong because foreplay doesn't even have to be physical. Foreplay can be conversation. Foreplay can be listening to music together. Again, we want to tap into ourselves sensually. So it's what are we experiencing through what we see, what we hear, what we smell, right? Like all of our senses. So foreplay can happen five hours before any type of sexual activity happens. It literally is just before the sexual activity. And that could be anytime, anytime. So I think we have to change the way that we define foreplay. And it is definitely a setup for what you're creating because sex is a place that you go to experience something together. It's not a performance or an act. Now it can be a scene, right? So people who may be into BDSM and they want to create a scene together, it may feel like a performance, but they're doing it for an experience. At the end of the day, you're still doing it for an experience. Yes. So people have to be open to the possibilities of what foreplay can be and what it can mean for you. It's so important. It's so, I mean, it's vital. I literally, not too long ago, and I can share this with you and your whole podcast community, but I literally just sent a picture to my husband of my pussy, like maybe two hours ago, because that's foreplay right? We both work at home. He's downstairs in his office. I'm up here. I was doing sessions. I was in between sessions. I went and I was like, I got to find something that I can send to him to get him riled up. And I did. And it worked. He's probably like, get off this damn podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Why would you do that right before you make me wait for an hour and a half? Building anticipation. That is one of the fun things about foreplay is that you can experience pleasure and build anticipation at the same time. And that can be done in so many different ways. And I do, I need to add this as well. So if there's anyone who's listening, who struggles with even saying the word pussy, I had a hard time with that. I couldn't just let it roll off my lips and say it just so casually. Oh yes, I sent my, like what? A few years ago, I would have whispered it just a little, you know quieter right and think about again where does that come from because someone with a penis will have no problem saying penis or cock or schlong or whatever term they choose to use (laughs) but for us unfortunately it's taboo to even say those words that's so interesting that literally the organs that are used to create the miracle of life are considered a bad word. It hurts my heart. (laughs) 
Mm-hmm. It hurts. It hurts my heart to think that there, because there is so much. I keep saying it, but there's just so much shame to even to to put a mirror and look at yourself and and know how you look and explore yourself and and to call it all the parts that you want to call it and to be open about it. It's there's so much shame around something that is so beautiful and it's it's wild because when men when men do not when women don't feel shame and they work on themselves and then when their men don't shame their women i mean males listen y'all and female whoever y'all want us to be free because when we feel free like fireworks in the sky we all need to work together to just be out and proud about our sexual selves absolutely we do but there is some fear that's connected to that I think for men who have dominated that space, because what does that mean for them if women can experience pleasure sexually without them, right? Which why when I speak with some couples and the man is not comfortable with bringing sex toys in because they are either intimidated by the size of the toys, the type of pleasure that their partner will feel. And there's this idea that as a man, I should be able to provide all the pleasure that she needs. It's just, yeah, I don't know. No, I mean, okay. Yeah. Y'all got to get over that. Cause I actually do remember I was with someone who I wanted to bring in a toy and they were like, why, why do you need that? Why would you bring that in? I'm like, are you kidding me, buddy? You want me to bring this in? what why are you why are you scared of this where what what why well I guess at that point they're projecting their own shame and fear of not enoughness onto the women and if we don't know that that's what's happening we're just picking it right up and 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 a lot of us kind of internalizing that of like ooh, okay yeah maybe there is something wrong with me if I if I want to work with this when in reality it's just a threat I mean this is something that I started thinking about um coming from a Catholic background and uh, the Colombian uh, culture that we've, we grew up in where, you know, men, and it's all over the world again, like can have as many sexual partners as they want. And actually it's encouraged. I've heard, you know, in Colombian culture, sometimes it's encouraged because then they'll have more experience. Um, But the woman should stay, you know, um, what is it? Pure. Pure, (laughs) which is a, crazy word we could probably unpack that um until the man comes until their one true man comes in and I started thinking I was like they came up with this because if women actually have more partners I mean I don't know if this is why but I imagine if women have more partners then we start getting more specific we start getting more specific and even demanding about exactly what we want and exactly what we like. And if it's not working for us, then, you know, it's not working. And we have more of a voice about it because we have more compare and contrast. But if we buy into the story that we have to stay, quote, unquote, pure for one man, then whatever they want to give us, we're going to take. And that just can't be. It's so true. But it's just so unfair to us in that way. And again, it doesn't mean that women need to have a lot of partners to know what she wants. What a woman needs is 
the safe space to explore without condemnation and to to fully accept that her sexuality is not going to look like her friends or what she saw on a reality TV show. Yeah. Well, we are at an hour. And so we don't want to take too, more of your time up. Thank you so much for being on this podcast. This is such an important conversation that we know it's going to be so popular when people see sex in the title. Everyone wants to talk about it. Everyone wants to talk about it. Everyone wants to know it because there's just so much shame around it and everyone's just ready to step into it. So this is, this is a really important conversation. Thank you so much for for being willing to come on and being so open and, and for doing everything that you do. My pleasure. I fully enjoyed. I knew this was going to be a great experience. It definitely was. You two have amazing energy. So I really appreciate you two so very much. And I will come back anytime. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> hell yeah. So one thing that we always ask our guests at the end of the podcasts is to define what mental health means or is for them. Mm. Mental health to me is fully flourishing on a thought level and an emotional level, having clear coping skills to manage anything that comes to me um, mentally or emotionally. Love that. Education. Huge on that. And you're an amazing educator. This is, yeah, like Valentino is saying, this is a podcast conversation that for the longest time now, we've kept saying to each other, we're like, we need to have somebody on to talk about sex. I know. And then I found you and I was like, I found the one, Paula. (laughs) I found her. I'm going to reach out to her. I have to ask, do you know about your zodiac signs? Like, do you know your birth chart at all? Yes. So Wait, don't little... tell me. Don't tell okay. me. Well, obviously, I know this is your birthday month, so you're a Capricorn. Because I saw that. No? You know what you give me? You give me a lot of Pisces vibes. Like, it has to be in your chart somewhere. Mm. But if it's your I birthday remember. month, how are you not a – oh, you're an Aquarius. That's yes. what it is. I'm an Aquarius. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I cheated because I, I heard you saying it on another podcast. So, I, yeah, I've been talking about it all month. Soon as January first hit, I was like, "It's my birthday month." <laughs> so I've been posting about it. Do you know the rest of your chart, like your rising or your moon or something? You give me maybe it might isn't it, what is Aquarius air? You just give me Pisces vibes. There's something oh, Pisces about you. Okay, so I'm gonna have to find out, and I'm okay. gonna DM you. Yeah, yeah, DM us. Oh, hold on real quick. Where can everyone find you? Absolutely. They can find me on Instagram at K underscore spot underscore therapy. I'm also on Facebook at Casey Polite and just started my YouTube channel. So I'm also there. Casey Polite. K-A-Y-C-E-E. Thank you. Amazing. Thank you so much, Casey. (laughs) Thanks. Bye. All right, everybody. You can catch us on Mondays at 6 a.m. EST. We love you guys. Thank you so much for listening. Los queremos mucho. Los queremos mucho. Be kind to yourselves out there. Sending you guys all the best vibe. And yeah, tune in soon.
We love you. Thank you for being on this journey with us. If you are new, you can also find us on Instagram at Pretty Mental Official. We are pretty active on there for the most part. So shoot us a little message. We love saying hi to you guys. All right, you guys, until next time. Bye. Until next time. <laughs>